22nd episode of the Blow Off Valve podcast. Uh, we're your hosts, Alex and Tucker. And I wanted to start off, we've got a few uh, news topics this week we want to go over, but I wanted to start off with a couple corrections from last week's show. So at the end of last week's show, obviously we talked about our excitement at watching the Canadian Grand Prix and talking about it this week. And it completely slipped my mind that the Canadian GP had been canceled. And for some reason, Google still shows it on the Formula One calendar for what was this past Sunday. Uh, so obviously there was no Canadian Grand Prix. The next uh, next GP is going to be, uh, I believe, next weekend in France at the, the uh, Circuit Ball Ricard. And the other uh, correction was that uh, I mentioned that there was, we, we were talking about a Bugatti that showed up at the Cars and Coffee. I thought it was a normal Chiron uh, from distance, but it turns out that it was actually a Bugatti Devo, which was a limited production variant of the Chiron. They made 40 of them for the entire world, and all the cars were pre-sold to current Chiron owners by special invitation from the dealer. So the dealer had to select you if they had an allocation. And when new, they cost $5.8 million. I'm hearing now that yes. there have been a couple that have transacted on the private market for $8 million. <laughs> So the wow. fact that we had one in our humble little, you know, Minneapolis cars and coffee is pretty amazing. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. So, uh, so that's kind of some of the housekeeping for the week. We want to talk about a few different topics. So the... 992 GT3 has debuted. We know what it looks like, but still a topic of hot gossip and spy mm -hmm. shots is the new GT3 RS. Uh, and coming out, uh, a few of the German papers, I think, picked it up and some of the websites. There's some more spy shots of the 992 GT3 RS working its way around the Nürburgring. And the probably most interesting feature people have seen so far is not only does it have an absolutely massive <laughs> rear wing, <laughs> but it actually has an active aero component to it. So the highest section of the wing opens at high speeds, essentially functioning like the drag reduction system on an F1 car in oh, the straights. Okay. And then under braking, that component of the wing closes, so it increases your downforce um, going through corners. So pretty cool tech, and you know Porsche joining the club of Ferrari and, and McLaren and, and others with active aerodynamics in this way. But I, I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, okay, if that was a GT3 Cup car or something like that, I'd say, cool, that's awesome. The thought of trying to drive with that like picnic table on the back of my car <laughs> in a street car, it just, I was like, man, that, that thing looks a little crazy. I don't know. What do you think, man? It's, it is. It's massive um mm -hmm. i think you were right when you were describing you know like the i actually love the the gt3 i think it's really cool i like the wing on mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. the little bonkers i think you were right when you said that's probably what should have been the rs yeah and the gt3 should have had like a smaller one or i don't know but this thing like i mean it's it's just, I don't know, it's just like from the back, the thing just looks so Blade Runner dystopian. Like, you yeah. have to have this wing to survive the future. You know, <laughs> like, it's just yeah. effing nuts. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, the thing, my first thought was like, you're going to have absolutely no rearward visibility. But if they make the stanchions on the wing tall enough, you actually probably could see under the wing out your back window. Underneath it. 
yeah. uh, so, I think like it it gets to be like the and maybe maybe there's like a lot of camo on it or something. It'll mm-hmm. look a little bit differently when it comes out, but I I think like they pulled it off really nicely with the uh, you know, GT3. Whereas this is like almost seems a little bit out of proportion, kind of like yeah. when you take a car to a mod shop, they put some like weird kind of yeah, like an auto zone. You get an auto zone yeah. wing yeah. to put glue on the back with the Riente. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah doesn't quite strike me as the right thing for this car, but maybe it'll look different in its final, in its final form. Right. Yeah. I think we do need to kind of keep in mind, this is a test mule and, and it is still camouflaged. So it's hard to know exactly, but it does run the risk. You know, when we talked about the 992 GT3, I said, my concern was that with how aggressive the wing was on that car, that the RS would be like a caricature, you know? And by that, I mean, (laughs) <laughs> take take the normal proportions of something and make it kind of silly you know like yeah. a caricature artist <laughs> taking someone's like smile and making them look like they have buck teeth you know that sort of thing and yeah. they took a gt3 rs and just made this wing like the optimus prime transformer wing and, <laughs> and let me ask you, know, you this though this is a a difficult question for you but mm-hmm. i'm going to put you on the spot do you feel like you're in a position to comment or critique wings on cars having owned a Subaru STI? <laughs> I think I am in the most, I, I'm in the best position because I, every car I've owned since I was 18 had some form of spoiler on it. <laughs> uh, and so with with my current RS being the most aggressive wing, but even on yeah. my car, that is very, that's borderline. Like the wing, obviously incredibly functional on the track, but driving around town, it does obscure yeah. your vision a bit. It, it is, it is massive. And so something that's <laughs> even big bigger, line, yeah. <laughs> something that's <laughs> even bigger just seems almost cartoonish to me, but I, yeah, yeah, I'll have yeah. to see it just like with the GT3. I'm going to have to see it in the flesh and then maybe some different colors and stuff. Like I still am not a fan of the nostrils on the GT3, but yeah, again, I, I maybe when I see it in something that's not shark, yeah. blue, I'll like it. So it, it is, you do want to reserve judgment a bit, but man. Yeah. I, I just kind of still like those nostrils. I don't know why. I don't like them. On, <laughs> I think like them on the BMW, but I'll take them yeah. on the 911. <laughs> I think you and I are just going to agree to disagree in perpetuity <laughs> on those freaking yeah. nostrils. Because I probably uh, would order the nostrils, and I would order it in shark blue. You're like, I want carbon fiber nostrils. <laughs> I want them. I need them. I need them. Yeah. Yeah. Tape them to the Tycon. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i it's it just kind of a funny first topic to start us off but uh you know i yeah. saw those pictures in the first thing i thought i was like oh no they did make it ridiculous <laughs> they did it <laughs> uh but you know the thing yeah. that being said you know the the 992 gt3 is as fast some you know depending yeah. on how you measure it maybe slightly faster around the ring than my rs was and you've got the new gt3 rs has to beat that time so how do you do that? And, 
when the drivetrain is exactly yeah. the same. Well, you do that by that's a really you know, good dynamic point. enhancements. That's a really good point. And it's possible that over the years, if what the GT3 and the GT3 RS become mm-hmm. are basically like buy this for this time on the Nuremberg ring. Right. If yeah, you I, want faster time, they're going to start looking more and more like F1 cars, you know, with like right. crazy splitters up on the front and, you know, mm-hmm. just be nuts. It'll be nuts. Yeah. I mean, that's years. the thing, <laughs> you know, up until now they have been able to improve lap times by continually tweaking and refining that four liter to get a little bit more power out of it each time. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, initially the, the, you know, like the 997 RSs, those were like 3.8 liters. And then you had the 4.0 was the, that kind of final special edition. And then the 991s were both four liter cars. Well, the, the 992 is, this, is the same engine. And so you can't make, you can't improve the lap time based on that anymore. And, and Andy Pruninger, the head of GT development at Porsche, has said like they've kind of taken that engine as far as it can go. And so there's not more tweaking to be done there. So you have to, you know, things like your suspension setup, your aerodynamic setup, all those things, those are now the things that you're having to tweak to gain tenths of seconds. So um, I think you're right. I think we will see that these cars in the going forward, their gains are going to be in aerodynamics and, and suspension yeah. setups and things like that. So one of the, one of the main things I want to talk about today, because you sent me an article from Wall Street Journal on this that I thought was really, really interesting, because um, I'd heard it kind of mentioned uh, on, in some yeah. other podcasts, some other videos and stuff, and but I think it's a really fascinating idea to kind of play around with, is, is the future of classic cars, is it electric? So this Wall Street Journal article really kind of did a, a nice little discussion on this. But many shops are starting to put in EV architecture into classic cars. Some of the ones that they've cited were Jags, old Mercedes, old Porsches, Rolls Royces, um, and the like. And there's obviously there's a lot of dissension within the automotive community about this. And and my question that I kind of want to see what you thought is: Is this forward thinking on the part of those doing this, or is this desecrating? a beautiful classic object. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at who's the, who's the guy in, wasn't there a guy in Japan that like modifies nine elevens, like old school ones. And yeah. Puts on, so that's crazy. So that's RWB. Yeah. So yeah, RWB. Griff, they do, they do crazy wide body kits on nine, nine threes and nine six fours. Yeah. No. And I, it's a, it's a tough question because I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to, you know, who's asking it and who's answering it probably, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're um, a car collector from the standpoint of you want it completely authentic and preserved in a museum, then it is probably desecration. But Mm -hmm. if your approach is, Hey, I have a history with this car when I was a teenager and mm-hmm. I live out somewhere where the nearest shop that could fix this or deal with issues is 700 miles away. Right. I want to daily drive this thing. Mm-hmm. I want to enjoy it. And, and so I think 
for that perspective, you know, yeah, you're not going to get probably 300 miles out of this thing. You're going to be able to drive it around town. It's going to turn on when you want it to turn on. You're going to, you know, be able to show it off. It's not like you're driving these things thinking in particular of like a BMW 2002 to beat people off the line or to make some ungodly amount of noise around town. Mm -hmm. Now, part of the big experience with those is, you know, the manual and obviously Mm -hmm. you're not going to have that. So you lose that part of the driving experience. But to be honest, you know, when you look, um, bring a trailer and some of these classic cars are just kind of modified, like they become project cars. So they already kind of get desecrated. They get new engines put in them from different series cars. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, you know, dealer's choice on like, do you want red bucket seats to replace the classic leather? Mm -hmm. I think there's just like a variety of approaches. And this is an intriguing one. I mean, one of the things they did mention in that article that I appreciated some of these shops that take it really seriously have a no cut policy. So yeah, everything EB comes West out. And a couple other big shops, yeah. So everything comes out, they put they, you know, put in the EV drive chain, and then mm-hmm. you can enjoy it for as long as you want. And then, you know, 10 years down the road, if you're like, I want to authentically restore this, and I'm gonna spend right. thirty thousand dollars rebuilding this engine or and the interior and all of this. You can do mm-hmm. you can still do it. So. Right. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, some of the technology they're using for this is amazing. Like they're doing this like 3D model mapping of the engine bays and things like that, yeah. making sure that the conversion parts will fit and, and how they're gonna structure everything. I think one of those shops that called Z Electric that does nine eleven, mm-hmm. old nine eleven conversions, they even like create new trunk space out back where the engine would have been um, really thoughtful stuff like that. I'm, I'm kind of of two minds about this. And, and there was a line in the article that I think really, s- I hadn't thought of it this way, but really nicely summed up how I, how I feel about it is for me, cars that were about sound and the manual driving experience. It is mm-hmm. a bit of desecration to me, like taking a, a 74, nine eleven. And doing this does hurt my soul a little bit. Yeah, but understand. But an old, uh, you know, a 1960s or 70s Rolls Royce that was always just yeah, about yeah, yeah. comfort and quiet and wafting yeah. down the road. <clears throat> oh my God! What a perfect, what a perfect car for an electric powertrain. You know. Yeah, because I I rode in one of those a number mm-hmm. of years back. And mm-hmm. I was just had like a headache after because, <laughs> you know, the fumes <laughs> are just coursing oh, yeah. through the, you know, interiors. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the lady that they started talking, started the article talking about that was taking her <clears throat> Mercedes 250 SL and converting it. She was like, you know, this car is beautiful, but every time I go out in the garage, there's a puddle of oil underneath it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. there's... It smells like gas when I started up and just a lot of things that are kind of unbecoming of, of the, yeah. the experience. <clears throat> you know, and one thing to also consider is let's, let's, you know, say that presumably there will continue to be a transition to EVs and mm-hmm. maybe is there a kind of a, 
we've talked about this kind of ad nauseum, but is there a breaking point where there's a, you know, an age of people who say, yeah, I'm fine with, uh, you know, kind of a crazy gas car. And there's mm-hmm. a collection of people who are like, I'm just not interested in that, but I love the way these look. Right. So you've got some like changes in, in the market. And then also who is there to service them? Like, yeah, I'm not saying like mechanics are going to go away because they're obviously not, but will it become more difficult? Will it be harder to source parts more expensive? Right. Yeah. Are, are you going to get to a point where people are like, uh, I'm not really sure how to work on a carbureted engine. <laughs> you know, I only do electronic <laughs> fuel injection. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I think you take it a step further and, and I really do wonder, we've talked about this personally. I don't know how much we've talked about it on the podcast, but are we going to reach a point where like our children down the line <laughs> would look at our car, like you you know, look at my RS or your, you know, whatever fun car you have and say like, we might as well be smoking in a crowded movie theater or something like how would you do something that's so gross you're polluting you know yeah um, yeah judge instead us. of looking at it like we do like oh man this is so cool it's loud and makes a lot of noise and it's i, you know, I think that there will be i think that there will be some i mean obviously it kind of depends on you know maybe like maybe our kids as like us being automotive enthusiasts and racing enthusiasts maybe they're like oh th- that's really cool but their friends are just don't get it right you now yeah and and so I think that there will be, to some extent, mindset. They think the shape of these, you know, electric cars is really cool. Yeah, I mean, that's the advantage that a lot of these electric cars have is if you're creating essentially just a skateboard, you can put whatever cool, crazy body you want on it. That's why so many of these EVs look like concept cars. And, and, um, you know, that's that's the advantage to me of getting some of these old cars electrified is the shapes are absolutely classic and beautiful. You know, like uh, the example I, I kind of put in my own notes was something that's notoriously unreliable, like an old Jaguar F-Type, like one yeah. of the most beautiful classic shapes. Throw an EV powertrain in that, and now you've got rolling artwork that you know, and <clears throat> is going to last forever in terms of its powertrain. And the interesting thing is, I, I, I don't know if it was in that article, but they said something like, one of these cars made a oh, it was like some kind of Alpha, Alpha Romeo. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it made was... noise. It like they had. I don't know if it was must have been pumped out through a speaker. Yeah, but yeah. the the people in the crowd seem to have received that well. <laughs> yeah, it's a little yeah, weird. The, it was but... it was like an Alpha Julia, uh, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, let me let me see, just so we're not leading anybody astray. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, so it was based on an Alfa Romeo Giulia GT, and 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 yeah, so basically it had been programmed that you could replicate all these sounds, and that's actually something <laughs> that Lotus is doing with their Avaya hypercar. Is supposedly you can choose different historic Lotus race cars to emulate that's the sound cool. from. <laughs> I so, mean, it's weird, but yeah. I feel like it's something that we could. You know, in that kind of car, find some enjoyment from maybe. It's absurd, mm-hmm. I get that. But, you know, it was kind of like yeah. we took a step in that direction when I remembered like, oh, the this BMW M car this year, they're going to pump in noise. You're right. like, yeah. what the hell? They're going to do And now that? it's like, 
now everybody now you can does pick it. your noise yeah exactly mm-hmm. so the other thing i was going to add um i was reading on line the other day about someone mentioned like oh you know i think it was on the, the tycon forum i was on that looking and someone said oh you know if you think there's a lot of tycons you should go into london like there's tycons mm-hmm. everywhere in there and it, but I, yeah, I don't know because they have I congestion think is, charges exactly and from what I was reading it, it didn't sound like there was going to be a ton of exceptions for classic or collector's cars, you know? Right. So this is a one way of like, with you were saying with the Rolls Royce getting around that. Right. You know, and, still and the other around thing in there. <clears throat> other thing I would add is I think this segment of car is kind of the perfect avenue for electrification and the right setting because if we're talking classic cars, we're talking cars that are generally brought out maybe once or twice a week at most, driven, say, 30 to 50 miles on a nice Sunday morning and then brought back. So you don't need... It's one of the things you and I have talked about before. It's like, well, shoot, how do you shoehorn a battery capable of 400 miles of range into a 1974 911 kind of chassis, right? Well, you don't actually need to do that like these cars can have 120 140 miles of range and because of their use case that of going out to breakfast or brunch on a sunday or going out with your buddies for a little drive that my that range will be perfectly fine and then you plug it in and you take it out a week later and it's fully charged again no problem you know you, you don't run into a lot of the same issues you would when you're trying to play the daily driver, but I need to make a long trip in it kind of game, like we've had yeah. discussions on before. You know, and it was interesting. I think one of the, might have been that lady that, you know, she was talking about um, with with her car, I think it was that Mercedes, you know, the, the mm-hmm. range being acceptable. Um, right. I think one of the things that they alluded to in the article, I haven't really researched and looked up it doesn't sound like this is exactly cheap um and so i think right now it's probably cheaper to restore your internal combustion engine or even transplant an internal combustion engine into a car Mm -hmm. um but as maybe battery tech goes down in costs and 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 who you know honestly i this thought just occurred to me but what if there is a company that gets really good at this? Because they were saying in the article, they rely a lot on Tesla parts. And if the right. point of this car is like, we're not trying to beat people off stoplights. We're just trying mm-hmm. to drive it and enjoy it. Why doesn't somebody come out and make this like a bespoke thing? Like we so, have. So they kind of are in a way. So GM okay. is bringing out uh Essentially, so for years and for decades, Ford, GM, etc. have put out crate engines. So if you have a 69 Camaro and you want to do a resto mod, you can buy a brand new crate engine from GM, drop it in your Camaro, boom, you're good to go. It'll fit. And now you've got a 500 horsepower brand new engine in your 69 Camaro. So GM is doing the same thing. They're creating a crate, quote unquote, EV setup. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. So that's kind of the idea is they're going to have a platform that you can install into different kinds of cars. 
Yeah, um, and honestly, on this. I honestly think like if you were an EV enthusiast and an engineer and knew how to do that, what a great mm-hmm. niche. Because, oh, yeah. you know, you could carve out like, I like doing this for 911s and certain Audrey well, it's of like, cars. It's like Zero like Electric the is dude. doing it for Porsches. You know, I mean, they're pretty much, yeah. I think, all Porsche. Yeah, so you just carve out your niche and you've got a market. I mean, what a cool, yeah. what a cool freaking thing that will probably remain quite relevant well into the future. I agree. I, you know, and and your point on cost is is a really good one. I think in the article they said for a simple conversion, it's twenty grand plus the vehicle. So yeah. you have to bring yeah. them a vehicle, and for a really top notch one, it's at least sixty. Yeah, I think potentially I potentially <laughs> into the six figures. So that lady with the 250 SL, she was having some other stuff done, some restoration work, but her hers was already into the into the hundred thousand plus plus yeah, the cost of the car. So that's not it's that's too much. It's, I mean, I would not even entertain that at this point. Now well, I'm glad the that there's is, people out there doing it. Hopefully, in time, mm-hmm. it'll drive the cost down as kits become available, but. That's a lot yeah. of freaking money, man. The other thing to consider, and they alluded to this in the article, I think EV West said that, you know, it for them to do their top-notch job, it might be four to six months to do a conversion. Yeah. But their waiting list is already five to six years. Well, that's so, what I'm thinking. Like, you know, let's say you and I not actually just money, knew what the hell we were doing you know, and could start up a shop, we'd have a, we'd have a business. Like yeah. somebody I mean, that's listening, you should go do that and make that your business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to put that into context, that waiting list, that waiting period. So Singer, you know, the makers of yeah. reimagined Porsches, yeah. one of the most sought after desirable sought after. things yeah. out there, their waiting list is supposedly about three years. So yeah. you've got this EV West electric conversion money. company. Yeah, they um, yeah, I mean singers are 7, you know, 700 grand yeah. plus, but you know, so they have they have a 3-year waiting list. EV West has a 5 to 6-year waiting list yeah. to do these conversions. So I think that shows there's a ton of demand for this and there's yeah. not enough people yet willing or able to do it. And so right now, I mean, is a I think is a perfect time if if people are interested in this to to get out and and start learning how to do it because because I I think you're right if we're going into an electric future there's a hell of a lot of enthusiasts that are trying to figure out right now including myself well where does my hobby fit in this you know yeah. electric future so uh, yeah. anyways I thought it was a fascinating article it's kind of it's cool, cool thinking about what you could do with some of these cars and particularly if more yeah. major manufacturers, including, I mean, I can't imagine Tesla eventually coming out with a, you know, quote unquote, great so. motor. Uh, <laughs> it would be great. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of potential. <laughs> but the the last last uh, story we wanted to touch on was something that I think is completely ridiculous, but is also fascinating. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this, uh, I think it's a couple weeks ago now, but the uh, Rolls Royce introduced the Rolls Royce boat tail. Uh, it was developed uh, as part of an in-house coach building program at Rolls-Royce. It shares the chassis and engine with the Phantom, but it's very heavily modified, featuring 1,813 bespoke additions, including five different electronic control units in the rear deck. 
Um, the rear deck basically looks like uh, what you would imagine a very nice yeah. uh, runabout from a yacht would look like. Uh, it looks, it kind of has that teak wood. Um, it has an extending <laughs> yeah. parasol that deploys by a mechanical system. It's got a, a deck that has rotating cocktail tables and matching chairs, a full fancy dinner set, two different fridges filled with champagne. Supposedly, this whole coach building process to build this cost the person that commissioned it $28 million. So we're talking about essentially a fancy <clears throat> Rolls-Royce Phantom for $28 million. Yeah. No one's quite confirmed who this is for, but there's a lot of rumors online that Beyonce and Jay-Z commissioned this. Um, that's based on that supposedly the, the interior, which is a, a kind of a light blue interior, the interior color is called Blue Ivy, which is the name of Jay-Z and Beyonce's daughter. So this car... If you haven't seen it, go online, look at it. It looks like something that would have been on Pimp My Ride uh, <laughs> that West Coast Customs would have made for MTV back in the day. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, it's done to a very high standard, but it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts. So how do you feel about coach-built cars? I, you know, I my thought, my thought on it when I saw it was that these are just ultra-wealthy people trying to stand out even more. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is i think it's honestly you just like probably lose touch at that level with mm -hmm. a lot of reality in terms of always looking for something new like what right. the hell do you do to entertain yourself when mm -hmm. you can literally have anything at anything. any time what is an authentic new experience especially you imagine like what these people have experienced up to this point in their lives i mean right you know as part of it just boredom like you've got a you know billion dollars and you just restless you've, you've not had that kick of dopamine and you know a couple mm -hmm. of years and so you're like i'm gonna just build this one of a kind car you know because right. obviously these you know cars that's one of the notions with a car is that it is a, a sign of your tastes a sign of your wealth success mm -hmm. things like that and Right. Look at like we were just talking. We opened the show with the discussion of Bugatti and these iterations mm -hmm. of it. Well, right. what's more, you know, powerful or saying I've got the only one in the world. Nobody else can have it. Right. I'll pay whatever it takes to have that. Because it's like you right. said at the cars and coffee. There's always a bigger fish that'll pull up, and then right. you're like, exactly. oh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, just exactly. human experience, you know? Yeah. I I think I think you're right. I, so coach building, I think, is a really interesting process. This is, if we go back to the early 1900s, pretty much all cars were coach built. You know, they you would go to Bugatti and you know buy an engine, and then you could or and a chassis, and then like have the body built by you know somebody else. I, I mean, look at Ferrari and the Pininfarina days, and so coach building has a really wonderful history in in the automotive world. I think coach belt cars are really interesting when they're done for a good reason. You know, you look at the remade Lancia Stratos from, I don't know, eight, 10 years ago now um, that the guy built on a Ferrari F430 platform. Uh, I think that's really cool. Stuff like this, I think, is just a, kind of an opulent display of wealth. I mean, you're taking a car that essentially is like 350 grand when new 
and somehow putting $27.7 million worth of development into it to make it kind of look like a yacht. I, I just, I just, I don't really get it, but I, I think you're right. I think there is an element of they've lost a little bit of touch with what $28 million actually means because they're, you know, Jay-Z's it a billionaire. Yeah, it doesn't mean you know, anything, yeah. It, the money is kind of like to a billionaire, 28 million. Monopoly spent, money. I spent yeah. 28 grand on my new car. Yeah. It's monopoly money. And, and it is, I think it's not only the product you get at the end, but the fact that you can tell Rolls Royce exactly what to do, you know, you, it's a, yeah. it's really kind of a, a flex. It's a power play of like, look yeah. what I, I have enough cachet with, this car company that I can say, I want you to build me this thing and they do it. And, and it is, you know, I mean, this is, this has kind of been, there's relatively recent history of stuff like this. So like the Sultan of Brunei, his car collection obviously is, you know, world famous, but he has multiple one-off Ferraris that he's the only one in the world that has this Ferrari. He's the only one in the world that has this Lamborghini. So I think, I think that rarity and, and knowing that you can show it off and be like, yeah, y'all can't get any, you you know, doesn't matter how much money you have, y'all can't have this. Rolls-Royce built this for me, and, and <laughs> part much. of our agreement was they can't build it for anybody else, you know. That's You know, it's kind of an interesting collection of uh, people, too, you know, entertainers, uh, ruthless dictators. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like there's like a ton of super normal people, but then yeah, again, exactly. to make a billion dollars, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, you either gotta entertain type. your way to it or murder your way yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> put down your rivals. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I encourage everybody listening. Go look at pictures of this. It honestly does remind me <laughs> if, like, Pimp My Ride had a big budget. Like that's what it, <laughs> that's what it would be. But it 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 is. I hope. I would love to see more sports car and like cool one off like. Uh, Aston Martin um, built, they did a coach built um, version of one of their cars called the Victor. And it is one of one. It was built for some Belgian industrialist. And it is freaking cool. It's got like a V12 engine, six speed manual, looks amazing. Stuff like that, I think, is super cool. Um, You know, this just seems. Yeah, it's basically, you know, whether it's done tastefully or or not you know and, and that's right. all in to some extent the eye of the beholder uh, yeah yeah there was a one-off ferrari that i think <clears throat> eric clapton commissioned and it i think it looks terrible <laughs> so yeah. uh no i so, i think i remember reading about that victor in the road rat and was just like damn that is really it looks amazing so yeah, that's coach really building cool. done right so I think coach building, <laughs> yeah. it's not its not good or bad. I think it's really cool, and it's a cool chance to create unique stuff. But it does come it's down like to taste. All the, yeah, it's like all the modified cars that, you know, uh, cars and coffee. Some right. of them are to my taste, and some of them are definitely not to my taste. <laughs> yeah. If someone wants to sit on the back of their car and feel like they're, you know, floating in the harbor at Monaco, <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, anything else you want to talk about this week, bud? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, sorry, we're we're out a, a day late, but uh, we got uh, my wife and I got a new puppy yesterday, so we're pretty busy. So we're trying to work this in around uh, 
going out and uh, taking him out to the bathroom and feeding. So uh, <laughs> thanks so much for listening. Um, as always, you know, please follow us on Instagram at the blow of health podcast, um, rate us and leave a comment on uh, whatever platform you're listening to this pod, Podbean, iTunes um, really helps us out. And um, until then, we'll see y'all next week. Thanks.